0: Hello and welcome to Crop It Like It's Hot, brought to you by Arable Farming Magazine and The Crop Tech Show and hosted by me, Alice Dyer. It's been a wild old year for grain prices, with farmers riding off the record highs that we saw earlier in the year. So as the combines start rolling across the Northern Hemisphere, grain corridors being introduced from Ukraine, and all the usual influencing factors such as the weather. In this podcast episode, I'm going to speak to three market experts about what all this means for grain prices how to mitigate some of that market volatility and also hear any other advice that they might have on offer. Don't forget, you can still get one basis point for tuning into this podcast by emailing your account number and the podcast title to cpd at basis-reg.co.uk. The Crop Tech Show returns on the 23rd and 24th of November at the East of England Showground in Peterborough. Bringing together key on-farm decision makers, advisors and industry specialists all looking to learn the very latest techniques, network and do business at one of the industry's leading technical arable events. The event offers knowledge exchange and top quality networking opportunities with 70% of the main decision makers and influencers on-farm. If you are interested in exhibiting at this year's event, head over to croptechshow.com forward slash exhibit. So to introduce my first guest today, I have Megan Hesketh here, who is Senior Arable Analyst at AHDB. So Megan, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. First of all, we're all very aware of the really awful situation in Ukraine at the moment, Um, but I wanted to know what else is influencing our grain prices. Yeah, no problem. It's,
1: It's nice to be on the podcast.
0: So there's quite a few
1: things that I would say are influencing grain prices at the moment. Um, We're seeing quite a bit of harvest pressure. So harvest is underway in the US, in the EU, um, and we're seeing an accelerated harvest progression due to the recent heat wave, um, and that's having some pressure on prices. Um, And as those combines continue to roll in the Northern Hemisphere, um, it's likely we will see the harvest pressure continue. couple of other things to watch out for as well in terms of the demand side uh, there are some increasing concerns around sort of reduced demand from recessionary concerns um, and that added to a has added to a bit of pressure in recent weeks in prices um, and it's definitely something to watch in the uk specifically too as we see sort of livestock margins being squeezed and disposable income been squeezed as well um, so that's something to watch out for um and then a couple of other pieces on demand as well um in terms of those biofuel mandates um The UK and Germany are proposing sort of temporary waivers at the G7 conference. I know that's been met by some resistance um, from the US and Canada, and they they produce quite a bit of ethanol. The US especially export quite a bit of ethanol as well. Um, So it has been met with some resistance, but it's definitely something to watch in terms of that demand perspective as we head into the 2022-23 season. We have seen some um, demand, so in terms of international tenders coming in you know as, as prices have come down we have found some level of support um in those markets um as, as those prices have come down so those tenders in terms of sort of jordan algeria egypt uh, pakistan bangladesh um all demanding milling wheat uh, so we, we are seeing some global demand coming in as, as prices have sort of seen some pressure from harvest especially um but that that's something to watch as well. Just providing a
0: bit of support when, when we see those prices coming back down. Okay. And then moving on to Ukraine, um you know we've heard quite a bit about um these grain corridors. What will happen if yeah. these do or don't go ahead? Yeah,
1: it's a difficult picture in Ukraine. I mean, there's a lot of talk um, and movement to try and establish a, a grain corridor um, out of Ukraine. Uh, they are moving grain by rail. and There are some issues in terms of the track size as we get towards the, the edge of Ukraine and um, surrounding countries. Um, and they, they were talking about building silos, you know, to um, store that grain, just provide a little bit of, sort of support on, on that sense um, so you can store grain just outside of the country and get a bit more moving but in terms of those corridor the sea corridors my understanding is that turkey are in discussions um, and there are there are quite a few issues around sort of demining the area and, and navigating the area and ensuring uh, what's leaving ukraine but there is a lot of movement towards trying to establish those those great corridors um, and a lot of that risk is built into the price um so we, we could see some movement on the price and uh, pressure on the price if they do establish that corridor because um, a lot of risk is, is, is built into that price like I say.
0: Yeah I guess even if these corridors are established the amount coming through them will be much less than normal and there'll probably be you know a fair amount of interruptions to them as well.
1: Yeah yeah it's not a simple um, solutions to make as well so a lot of the uh, damage to export infrastructure is definitely something to think about. Um, there's, there's quite a lot of damage, um, in my understanding, and, and how long that takes to um, sort of navigate. Uh, and you're right, navigating at a war zone isn't, isn't going to be easy. And um, So there still are quite a few challenges around that um, and the, the quality of the grain that's going to come out of Ukraine as well, and um, from what's been kept on farm and what's been kept at port. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely not a simple scenario
0: um, and there's quite a few moving factors within that. Yeah, and given this level of uncertainty, have you got any advice for farmers on how they can kind of mitigate volatility when it comes to marketing their grain?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good question because I think with, with so much volatility, it's really hard to make decisions um, on sort of Selling, it's really hard to make decisions on cropping. Um, but in terms of, um, I think risk management is, is a very key tool to be used at the moment. Things like budgeting, that's a, a great tool to be um, used. Um, in terms of, you know, what your crop conditions are looking like. for Harvest 22, um, you've got a very good idea of, of what the crop's looking like. Um, and you've a high proportion of that fixed and variable costs really now. Um, So budgeting is a a great tool to sort of estimate your cost per ton of production and do sort of sensitivity analysis um, on what market price will earn you a profit. Um, So there's lots of tools like Farmbench that you can use um, and a lot of tools available on the website um, just to help sort of navigate um, and, and find what what the the best tool is for you and getting as much information as possible. There are other things that you can look at as well um, in terms of put put and call options and in terms of those marketing strategies. Um, A lot of information is on the website, but if you're thinking of selling grain off the combine, um, it it might be that you want to explore a call option if you're worried that prices might go up. But there is quite a lot um, to be read around that in terms of, aware of commission and currency exchange um, it, but it's definitely something to explore um, and then also in terms of those put options as well um, it might be that businesses looking to sell physical tonnage throughout the season um, and protecting the value of the physical tonnage using a put option and um, it's the concern that the price might fall But again, there's there's quite a lot to be read around that. So if you would like more information around that, there's a lot on the website, on the HDB website. Um, But I think the most important thing to um, think about when you're contemplating sort of marketing strategies or what you do is what works for you. Um, It's all about risk appetite, uh, what works for your business, because every business is is different. um, And that's a huge part of your marketing strategy is what works for you. Um, Increased risk doesn't always equate to increased reward but it is worth looking at those options uh, especially if it's something that you're interested in. Um, So yeah, definitely um, think about what works for you and then explore as many options as possible but I think in terms of those volatile prices, um, risk management and understanding um, where your costs are and, and what your cost of production would be and what cost you need per ton um, and price per ton to to make that profit. And so yeah, lots to think about, but it is what works best for
0: you as well. Yeah. No, that's good advice. And then thinking ahead to harvest twenty twenty three, um something that's also being influenced heavily by the war and, you know, sanctions on Russia is fertiliser prices. How is that likely to affect things for the coming season, do you think? Yeah, that's a really good
1: question. It's difficult because um, we've seen a, a high price season um, in terms of, of, of grain prices, but input prices are rising as well. And I think a lot of the conversation now um, it's, I'm having with people is around Harvest 23. You know, um, prices aren't quite as high as we've seen for Harvest twenty. And two prices and, and throughout sort of the season um and those input prices are quite high so like you say fertilizer prices um in terms of the september delivery was at uh, 705 pounds per ton and um, so they are quite high prices um and in terms of those applications of fertilizer it's definitely something that um to watch out for um, and in terms of sort of meeting quality specs of whether sort of, um, people are thinking about how much fertiliser to, to pop on um, and, and carrying any fertiliser forward as well. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely something to think about in terms of looking at other croppings as well, whether people explore pulses um, and cover crops is all something to think about. But in terms of that milling wheat, um, especially thinking about milling wheat, we have seen a pretty strong... Um, premium for milling wheat over the past season so over the 2021-22 season um, and sort of whether that's brought forward to incentivize that is definitely something to watch out for um, but yeah it's a de- very difficult picture in terms of fertilizer prices.
0: Yeah and if I mean I'm I'm assuming this is kind of a global issue or at least a European issue in terms of fertilizer prices so you know, if we are cutting fertilizer rates, is that going to have much effect on global supply? That's a good
1: question. I think in terms of um, the fertilizer prices, I find that's a global prob- problem or a global issue, global concern um, around sort of the availability of fertilizer um, and prices as well. I mean, there are quite a few watch points around, you know, planting for next season um, in. Countries across the world in so South America, in terms of those row crops, soybeans, and, and maize. Um, but I mean, it comes down to thinking about is the price incentive there? Um, and are those premiums there for that, that milling wheat quality spare kit in the UK, for example? So it all comes down to those sort of watch points around um, is it worthwhile and is that price incentive still
0: there? Yeah, okay. And finally, um, you guys obviously run the early bird survey. Um, I wondered if you had any idea on cropping intentions and what they might look like for the season that's coming um, and also how they might influence prices. Yeah, so the early bird
1: survey is due in November, sort of autumn time. Uh, So that'll be the first sort of insight that we have into plantings. Uh, for harvest 23 i mean it just comes down to uh, back to this sort of price incentive is is the price incentive there Um, and what sort of costs are involved as well and so really understanding what your cost of production are um, and and what works best for you it might be that you're exploring new crops or you think actually yeah i think um I, i want to grow wheat again or Rape seeds i think it's definitely an interesting picture at the moment um but yeah it it does just come down to that price incentive and what you think works for you and what your overall goal is um as, as well
0: okay that's great thanks for the update megan no problem And now to offer some advice on the approach to take with grain marketing, I have Peter Collier here, Senior Advisor at CRM Agri Commodities, who provide independent insights and advice into commodity markets. Hi, Peter. Great to have you on the podcast again. Um, First off, Megan has covered this a bit already, but I wanted to know what you see as the main price drivers at the moment for global and domestic grain markets.
2: Yeah, sure the price, price going forwards so, i mean let's take a little look back as to why we've got to position we're in and it's all to do with timing and majority of the duty for war in ukraine and yes but the timing is pretty important for that. I mean, this big push high happened in the time of relatively limited old crop global availability for grains and it was also at a time pre-harvest confidence in markets, so you had a lot of people rushing to go and buy and secure and um, wheat and corn other agriculture products for next season, at a time when it wasn't really all about natural farmer selling either, and all this led to a very, very bullish market as we know, and wheat pushed to new record levels above corn we'd never even seen in the past easily surpassed even 2010 Russian export ban levels. And this is certainly limited demand, and, and still in the United States, earlier, wheat isn't exactly wanting to be included in animal feed rations. So it seems a very gradual decline since then, although I say gradual has actually been fairly fairly swift. You know, we've got NOV-22 back from a peak of 350, now down to sub-260 in the space of less than eight weeks, and NOV-23 down from a peak of 290 to sub-230. So it's been a substantial Substantial sell-off and almost justifiably so you know we're just around the corner from um, northern hemisphere wheat harvest or at least in the states winter wheat's um verging on over half done in the uk we're not far off and northern europe as well around the world wheat production probably isn't at its full potential but it's it's not bad at all you know if you look at US and Canadian prospects, although winter wheat suffered. Spring wheat prospects uh, are looking good. Better moisture levels there, certainly not the drought conditions we saw last year. The UK things are looking relatively good. And across Europe, yes, there's been some dry spells. You have seen some reductions in production potential, but it's still not, not a down and out situation at all. And Brazil's going to harvest a likely record corn crop. So it's not all bad. And added to all this, we can't ignore Russia. It's any only the driver behind the war in Ukraine, but looking ahead, they're about to harvest what's likely going to be a record wheat crop, a record, crop with a record um, exportable surplus of grain. The realist in me says we have to ask who isn't going to buy from Russia this season, and the answer is, in all honesty, nations that traditionally buy from Russia will continue to do so. They'll prioritise their own food security above that of any sort of political or um, moral um, inter- intervention. So we are still in a period of um, pressure and um, we haven't even mentioned the large sort of macro side of the session and any um, weighing on long-term inputs of demand so we're still in a bit of sort of a downside risk in markets moving forwards and unless we go and get another big weather event that's going to get drought in the states over so the next few weeks it could be critical for the corn crop then i think we could easily see a bit more pressure on um, old crop markets for a foreseeable and you've got markets too but you know we're not without risk i say we're, we're a long way off the us harvest you could still be um drought there and the war in ukraine does continue to create quite a supply constraint looking forwards even just from the uk perspective um it remains unclear how our demand is going to shift you know, prior to invasion of ukraine would import maybe nearly a million tons worth of maize from ukraine and we're slightly still uncertain as to where that impact demand is going to lie. We're likely going to see more usage of domestic wheat and domestic barley, but to what extent remains a bit of um, the unknown. So well, there's certainly still some bullish factors out there, and globally stocks are going to be tight this coming season, especially if we go and see strong demands for French wheat. So it's a slightly bearish picture at the moment, continuation, but certainly long-term throughout the season we're expecting. Markets to remain above average, and there's so many unknowns, especially when it comes to the next few months and what's going to happen in Ukraine in terms of winter planting. What's the area going to be like? Our farms going to be able to plant, and these are all just adding to the unknowns and the sort of continued broad level of support that we're seeing.
0: Yeah, and given kind of everything you know, what do you think is going to happen?
2: prices where are you seeing them <laughs> get my get my crystal ball <laughs> yes. out you know, we need to be realistic with this and consider where we are in the world you know, the uk is a relatively small player and global markets their cost of production factors are dealt with um, looking at russia and and um, somewhat into um, the us and all these are um, much much bigger and um, producers in the uk fair cost production or less and we see an increase in area we can easily see a bit more pressure to come
0: given you know the price of fertilizer and things at the moment i just wanted to get your view on milling wheat um i mean i spoke to a farmer yesterday he said that the premiums need to be double what they are for him to think about it so i just wondered what you think's going to happen in terms of you know milling wheat premiums and supply and demand
2: sure and I view wheat premiums in a maybe slightly different way um, to others. I so will really try and explain how we view where bread premiums are. So as a whole in the UK, we will generally import um, some high-pro um, German or um, Canadian wheat. And generally from our own sort of domestic red wheat market, we always price at this sort of import level relative to... Um, European markets, so always at that sort of elevated level for bread wheat relative to Europe. However, from a feed wheat point of view, we'll either be at an importing level or an exporting level, depending on our relative size of surplus. So what we can have in um, years where we've got a big surplus of feed wheat will be an exporting discount to Europe for feed wheat, but we'll still be at that importing level for bread wheat. And what that does is drive a very big um, milling, premium in those years. Conversely, um, if we go and see years where we go and see a very tight UK feed wheat market, feed wheat also moves up to this sort of importing price level relative to Europe, and bread wheat is already at that level. So we then go and see a squeezed premium in terms of uh, bread wheat premiums from from that side. So at the moment, we've got relatively large bread wheat premiums looking towards um, this coming season. But a lot of that is due to the fact that we've got feed wheat, which is pricing as a sort of competitive low export level relative to Europe, while we've still got that sort of importing view of milling wheat. So I think the risk is from here is that we could easily go and see some of that um, milling wheat premium eroded. If we go and see UK feed wheat move up relative to Europe, um, that could easily be due to increased usage from the animal feed sector with uh, a lack of Ukrainian corn, instead. So but there's that danger if you go and see milling wheat premiums come under pressure as that feed wheat base moves up. But milling wheat is already at this sort of importing level, and that could just get a bit squeezed. Hopefully, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, and when it comes to grain marketing, um, mm. do you think that farmers are, you know, good at grain marketing strategies? And if they're not, what do you think they might be doing wrong?
2: Well, I wouldn't say any farmers is bad at marketing. Each business is different, and we all have individual constraints. Maybe you know, it's storage or. Cash flow, etc. So, I don't think others will be so bold as to say um, anyone's bad at it. And certainly, if they've been in business for a long time, they're clearly they're doing, doing a good job. But I, what we would say I uh, would drive home is that marketing strategies shouldn't be built on hope. You know, we need to have objective reasons for uh, either maintaining um, sales at a quick pace or delaying from until later in the season. And doing nothing is always a choice. We always need to consider it. not selling is a choice not to sell. It's not just ignoring it. And I think that's, a, that's sort of the big things for me. So we can't be basing strategies on hope and that doing nothing is a choice rather than not thinking about it.
0: Okay. So what would you say the biggest mistake a farmer could make would be?
2: I think we can easily have a bit of seller's regret. And we've, all, we've all had this. Once the market has
3: peaked and we've seen prices trending down, there can be a tendency to continue waiting on
2: the hope of a recovery and that we'll go back up to the same peaks we've seen before, rather than maybe looking at the levels we are still at in terms of um, profitability, in terms of trend, in terms of those sort of long-term drivers of um, market direction.
0: And what alternatives do farmers have in terms of um, spot selling or forward selling?
2: Well, in, in some ways, one of the easiest options for farmers could be to do a pool, which can be um, a great alternative for some. It can be a an and take some of the selling and time decisions away, which for some can be a positive, but you know, if you want to remain in control of marketing, then if we're not going to sell spot or forward, then, of course, you can always um, look to options as well as a sort of insurance um, product on one hand or indeed to allow you to re-expose your grain from another hand. So a put option, which benefits from a falling market, in a good way of protecting farm values. We've even most effectively for crops such as rapeseed pre-harvest, where yield and certainty a too aggressive forward selling so you can protect um, these high levels um, on farm put option and synthetically um, sell more than you would be physically. Uh, The other one being call options which um, can be good for pressured sellers, especially those with storage constraints. So if you're um, short on storage but you still want to be um, exposed to this market, you can still sell physically and then re-expose yourself and buy back exposure through a call option um later in the year with these i will go back just as a previous comment about marketing strategies not being based on hope and it need to be um from objective reasons and a strong rationale for doing so options do cost um do cost money and while you have physical it's always cheaper to sell physical than it is to um buy an option so there needs to be sound reasons for buying either the explosion markets or thinking why you're um wanting to purchase a good option instead of sell more physical grain forwards.
0: And given the volatility and things at the moment, might it be a good option this season? Would they potentially be more worthwhile?
2: Potentially, but as I just said, they do cost a lot of money, um, options especially with the amount of volatility that um, we've seen at the moment. So you've got to remember that someone's got to be on the other side of the fence and willing to sell this option to you. And that's why we've seen a value of them increase. We've seen a lot more volatility um, over the the last six months. And it's always cheaper to sell physical than it is to buy buy an option. But it could well be um, a good strategy um, later in the season if we go and see these um, global tight stocks and if we go and see sort of further weather market and deterioration farms have already sold and um, due to um, pressure region pressure reasons and um, more crop than they would otherwise have intended to do so so they could they we could well become beneficial later in the season but i say they, they cost money we always need to bear this in mind and it's cheaper to sell physical grain at this stage
0: um, and final question: Given everything that you know um, about what's going on, what would your, you know, one piece of advice be? Um, obviously, you've said the not basing sales on hopes and things. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add?
3: Mm, I think
2: maybe not for this season, but following one. And let's look and at um, Nov twenty three. And um, where we are currently um, for there. I mean, yes, we've fallen from 23 from a peak of 290 down to 230. But the big risk, I think, from profitability side, one of our worries is that a lot of inputs will have been bought at a high level. But we could easily see markets go and slide into that following season. where it could easily go and erode a lot of thumb and profitability and margin from that Nov 23 season. So but that's one of our, our big concerns um, from our side, sort of business profitability way. Yeah. So inputs are bought high and markets continue to slide. And we've seen this in previous seasons. So go back to 2012, that last big spike we had. We then went and had um, three or four subsequent seasons of markets falling away each season. It's, this current season can be likely above average prices. So we will incentivize for following years worth of planting. But following season could easily can be like an average or slightly above average still in terms of long term marketing values. We still incentivize a strong um, area and we can easily just go and see this this gradual tail away and fall in markets as we've seen before due to big spikes. Yeah. Obviously situations can change and unknown such as you, you'd have forecast a <laughs> war in Ukraine um, twelve months ago, but yeah. In short short of this, I think that's one of the concerns that we we'd have. And certainly, is maybe not to this season so much, but the following following knock ons where inputs are already being purchased.
0: And finally, the oil seeds market has also seen record prices in recent months, and many growers are being tempted back into the crop this autumn. So, Owen Clegg, trading manager at United Oil Seeds, is going to give us an update on the oil seeds markets. So first of all, why has the market gone down from these historic highs we've been seeing? Um, I think it was last week that the price dropped 130 pounds a ton. So what's going on there?
3: So um, yeah, it's, it's a case of that you know um, the, the market has sort of you know taken a bit of a sharp. Um, sort of a reduction in price and uh you know on the old crop especially we've gone from uh, sort of uh, um you know well over 850 pounds a tonne down to 600 pounds a tonne but the new crop hasn't necessarily fallen quite soon he's uh, gone from sort of 730 down to um, sort of 550 and it's still it's sort of had a bit of a recovery to 590. so um we're um we're in a bit of a, yeah, we've probably lost sort of 130 pounds on a new crop. Um, And it's a case of how, you know, is that um, cheap or is it good value? Um, I don't think we really know. I think the markets are being uh, sort of uh, um, hit from various, on various angles. There's a a lot of talk of uh, recession and uh, the crude oil price is um, bouncing up and down a little bit at the moment and it just it doesn't take too much to uh, um, send it down. Uh, whether it will recover um, to the high levels again, uh, we honestly don't know. Um, you know it, it's um, very difficult to sort of uh, look into the crystal ball and uh, come up with a, um, a sensible answer at the moment. I think uh, – there are, there are a few things there in the background which, you know, are sort of uh, um, a bit worrying. Um, the fact that, um, you know, that the um, Ukrainian grains seem to be able to find an oil seed seem to be able to find a way of moving across the Polish border. And uh, we'll see um, grains and oil seats move by truck. Um, and it will just take a bit longer for them to move than being shipped. Yeah. So... Um, that's happening. Uh, there's also, you know, as I said, there's the, the problem with um, recession. and Oil prices have just put a, um, a bit of a, um, a damper on things. Um, and farmers probably have been reluctant to sell. Um, so, you know, uh, and consumers have been reluctant to buy. So it's a bit of a standoff at the moment, unfortunately. And uh, quite where things go um, forward, um, it's very difficult to um, actually... Uh, um, come up with an answer at the moment. Uh, but on the positive side, um, we think that um, yeah, there's been a lot of talk about um, biofuels and they might be reducing the uh, mandates. Uh, that's not necessarily, um, uh, uh, but it would be an issue if it happened. But we can't really see um, there being a big move um, from biofuels into um, food. It, with the food versus fuel debate i think we've got a situation whereby um there have been things muted especially in germany about reducing the uh, biofuel mandate um uh, in 2023 it's probably more likely to affect uh bioethanol rather than biodiesel the bioethanol coming from uh, wheat as um, one substrate whereas the uh, the bio um, diesel sort of would be from rape oil. Mm. Uh, so, it, it, with yeah, with the um European fuel security being very difficult at the moment because of the, the Russian war, um it seems a bit counterintuitive to actually um sort of take um uh sort of uh, vegetable oils out of making fuel, and fuel seems to be the thing that's probably more pertinent to the Europeans than anything else. Of course there is the uh Issue with Africa and food and everything, but I don't think that's necessarily top of the European agenda at the moment. Right, uh, okay. And, uh,
2: um,
3: in my point of view would be that uh, um, prices have fallen, and we've actually seen a bit more discretionary biofuel um, uh, blending in places like Indonesia and uh, Argentina. So the, the fact that the um, uh, vegetable oil prices have come down is actually promoting a bit more biofuel um, blending, so that that should be supportive of the price. But, so we will really have to just wait and see how things will pan out. So um, hopefully that gives you a bit of a um, a view on uh, uh, what 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 the um, sort of the bullish and the um, bearish points are. Um, we have to just wait and see, um, you know, kind of how things are going to progress. I think, you know, from a farmer's perspective, yeah, if he's going to be buying an expensive fertilizer, he really needs to be keeping a close eye on the markets and uh, locking um, prices in, um, especially of the um, uh, the coming crop, because uh, he doesn't really want uh um, high-priced, um, he doesn't want to, to see a commodity price fall and a fertilizer price fall at the same time if he's actually uh, um, not sold very much going forward and he's bought his fertilizer. So, so would your advice
0: insane. be then um, for them to sell now rather than wait for the market well, to potentially again?
3: Each farmer's got a you nose know, cost action and those um yeah you know, kind of has got a feel for how what what he can afford to do and what he can't afford to do but um although he's probably buying fertiliser for crop 23 if he's still got crop 22 in the barn that's unpriced it would be unwise to uh, um, have a big position on expensive fertilizer bought and little crops sold um so yeah he ought to be really sort of uh, um Looking to sell into the rallies as they come, whether it's racing or grains, somebody's actually got um, um, a sensible strategy um, um, going forward. Uh, it, it, it's, these markets really are unprecedented and it's very difficult to second guess what they are, will do. There's a, a bit of fund manipulation in. And, uh, you know, um, traders have got uh, um, futures positions that can give them big margin calls that mean that they uh, have to exit positions because they haven't got enough cash to fund them. Then we've got the uh, scenario with interest rates going up, so how much stock's going to be funded. It's all um, very difficult to um, actually sort of uh, um, pin down to exactly uh, how things are going to progress. Of course, the other issue we've is, got uh, coming up with, um, harvest is logistics and will there be enough lorries and enough lorry drivers to move crop in a timely manner so these are all things that um growers have to uh, um second guess and uh, work out whether they'll be able to move crop in time to get their to meet their cash flow um requirements as well
0: there's a lot going on at the
3: moment isn't there yes yeah indeed indeed it's um, a very difficult one and you know kind of i think um Pool marketing is one way of um, trying to um, mitigate those um, uh, risks uh, because yeah, we're in the market. We're talking to consumers and uh, yeah, we can uh, sell tonnage and uh, we can uh, um, get older lorries and move things. So, uh, pool marketing is certainly a, a good way to progress. We also have our um, produce of area contracts, so that helps reduce the uh, risk as well. Okay, so um, I think um, I've not really answered the uh, question as to whether or not we should wait or or sell, but I think it's up to each individual grower to uh, weigh his risk and make sure that he's comfortable with um, what he's doing. And, uh, you know, prices can easily go down as well as up.
0: Yeah. And then looking ahead to drilling... Um, yes, so, there's a lot more confidence in all seed rape now. Um, yes, I think yeah, after yeah. you know we had a, cu- a rough couple of seasons, but yeah, uh, bounced back a bit. And um, I know some members of the seed trade are maybe expecting up to a thirty percent increase in area. What yeah, are your yeah. thoughts on drilling intentions? Yeah,
3: I think we, we're still a bit unknown what the actual area was that was planted for last harvest. I think you know. Uh, um, uh the uh the the uh um previous harvest could have been as low as about sort of 280,000 hectares we're expecting probably about 360,000 hectares for the current crop to be planted so that there therein, therein lies sort of a, a 20 to 30 percent increase from um last year into the current harvest and we could well see another 20 to 30% increase into um, crop um, harvest 23, which um, you know, up to about 450,000 hectares, I think is sort of a figure that we're working on. Um, but a lot will depend on drilling conditions uh, we're expecting. Uh, I think probably one of the salutary lessons is that uh, uh, if you're going to um, grow rake seed, you've got to make sure it establishes well. And there probably needs to be attention to detail on that um, on the basis that um, we need um, uh, moisture and um, attention to detail on the seat bed as well so um, rolling a couple of times um, Perhaps um, having um, uh, quite a high stubble, using things like digestate, all those things work for some growers, and, uh, but it's probably a case that um, each grower has his own formula that works best for him. But um, you know, I think uh, certainly from a point of view of an oil seed grape um, cooperative, we're very pleased that uh, uh, the area seems to be uh, moving in the right direction again.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. It will depend on weather conditions.
3: Yeah, and... That's right, weather conditions. And I think, you know, he, um, the, um, the idea of when you plant as well, sort of, some people can go early successfully and get um, uh, but they perhaps potentially got more of a larvae um, uh, issue later on. But we probably had a cold enough winter last year that there weren't the larvae that sort of uh, caused problems this spring. Um, and then uh, you've also got the people, if it, it's going to be quite a nice sort of uh, um, open autumn um, uh, uh, and still warm into September, you know, people are successfully growing right, seed up to the 15th of September. So it's all to do with soil temperatures and uh, conditions as to what time you can plant and what time you can avoid the, um, any cabbage stem flea beetle migration.
0: Yeah. Excellent. And have you got any other final words of wisdom that you'd like to offer our listeners?
3: I think, you know, probably what I would say is that you know, if, you're, if you're not interested in poor marketing, which would probably be uh, that you could leave all this stress and everything to uh, the likes of uh, United Oil Seats, if you do want to sell fixed price, um, because the markets are so volatile, um, you know, it's a case of, if you have a target price and it gets there, then, um, you know, whether that's target price is £600, £650 or £700, a penny, but, uh, you should sell some rapeseed when it gets to that target price. Because there are so many uncertainties that you could easily be the market, the price could be there for a day and then gone and never return. So uh, um, selling a little and often uh, target prices would be my advice.
0: Thank you, Owen. Now that's all we've got time for for today, but if you want to get more regular updates from us on grain marketing, you can receive our weekly grain marketing newsletter, which rounds up reviews of merchants and analysts across the sector to keep you in the know about global, European and domestic markets. The easiest way to sign up for this is just by Googling an eye on the grain market and it will take you to the sign up page on the Farmers Guardian website thank you again for tuning in if you wanted to offer any feedback or topic ideas we have a new email address for all of our podcasts which is podcasts at so please get in touch take care and have a very happy harvest